What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Super J Cast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonald. It's been quite a week for both of us, Damon. You are now fully inoculated against the Rona, the COVID nineteen. How are you feeling? Good. It's pretty weird. Um, again, New Jersey hit the ball out of the park on this one. Uh, and usually, we're a state that's so muddled in red tape, it's it's you'll choke on it. But we hit the ball out of the park. And it was a smooth process. I even sat down, and uh, I don't know. I just and Cheryl was, was like, and I kind of when I got back in the car, I kind of got a little bit overwhelmed with it. Like I was just like, wow, that was a historic moment, um, and it was. So uh, we feel good. Cheryl yesterday was very tired, like very tired and kind of achy and kind of out of it. Um, I think she's feeling better this morning. I talked to her for a second. Um, I felt a little bit off yesterday, but um, as I was telling Joel, I'm not sure if it was the vaccine or the three beers that I had before I went to bed. So not not 100% sure where it lied, but um, it's good. And uh, But me aside, Joel, let's add to the layer of fucking just a horrific stretch run you have you this is you're going to turn the corner i promise you it's going to turn you're going to turn the corner but um man i felt so bad so uh as i talk about something that i'm not really talking about why don't you talk about what happened to you this week uh basically on thursday little esther was unwell she had a high fever um we gave her some cowpaw like some some baby's paracetamol and she had a little nap and she was seemed okay after that but then a few hours later she she started shaking and was crying it was, it was really it was upsetting because obviously Mally just goes hysterical <laughs> when this sort of thing happens so she's like holding Esther and sobbing like oh, like, oh my god <laughs> so we decided to just go to the hospital and uh, it turned out Esther had a, a urinary tract infection apparently it's pr- quite common in little girls when uh Poo goes in the lady bits. Uh, <laughs> you've oh. got, got to keep that all clean. Yeah, it's like a pool. Um, it is like she, a pool. Yeah, yeah. She was she was fine. Like uh, she, by the next day, she was pretty much back to back to her best. A little, little bit of a fever, but these hospitals, you know, once once they get the pre authorization letter from the insurance company, then they're just like, right, let's try and bleed these people for every single dollar and cent we can get so the doctor's like okay well i I don't want to let you leave until we've had 48 hours without fever from your daughter's whatever so uh you're gonna have to hold my hand through this episode damon because whilst i did watch all of these matches most of them were watched on my phone whilst i was 
following Esther around the ward, holding her her drip, her IV, while oh. she went sort of rampaging around, shouting at people in her little hospital pajamas. Uh, so we're, she's she's absolutely fine now. We're back at the hotel, so uh, fingers crossed, everything's everything's okay. I'm sure she's fine, but uh, yeah, it was a, a, a testing week. Let's put it like that. Yeah, man, you can't catch a fucking break. Um... Yeah, I'm glad she's okay. One, obviously, um, and two, I hope mom and dad are okay because, yeah, it's always a nice little, nice little jolt to get the adrenaline going. Um, yeah, man. <sighs> I gotta. Can, can people just collectively hold hands and send Joel some karma? And by karma, I mean money. <laughs> so just make him feel better. If I have a gift. <laughs> Do I'll something. A prayer circle. Just <laughs> everyone hold hands. Right. You have the, uh, any idea what this guy's going through in the past year? This has turned into a telethon for Joel. <laughs> um, I'll be Jerry Lewis. Uh, hang in there, man. Hang in there. I mean, oof. I, I, I would. I, I don't. I. You're a strong dude. Because I don't know how well I ha- would handle all, like, everything that you're going through. And I hate to, like, remind you of everything that you're going through, but I would hate it. Like, it's just, um, hang in there, man. Hang in there. Look, luckily, I've got New Japan Pro Wrestling to keep me smiling and, uh, you know, cheer for my favorite wrestler, the great Okan, as he takes on Toriyama. No way he can lose that, surely. I mean, if if he lost, then that will be it. That'll be the last draw for me. I'd, I'd have nothing to keep yeah. going for. But uh, as long as the Great Okan is still in the New Japan Cup and is not eliminated, then I will keep fighting, Damon. Well, you're fighting right now, so uh, you know. Hold, hold, but we, that might change in about five minutes. But just hang on, just hang on. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you, you listeners, listen to this from the future. Uh, you will be appreciating my use of dramatic irony there because. Uh, well, I've just seen the result of said match, Damon. Do you want me to tell you what happened? I'm not looking at the, uh, the, the, the stream, but sure, go right ahead. Please tell me that the great Okan has defeated Toriano. Uh, he has not. Oh. In a shocking upset, Toriano, the, the master thief bullshit man, whatever we're calling him, has won. So that's it. Great Okan is done. He's donezo. Out of the cup. And um, that's, that's all from me. Goodbye. Oh, no, please. <laughs> No, right, let's get on to that later because that's put me in a bad mood. But um, oh my god, let, I'm going to open up with a question because this right. is something that did, did make me smile. Atari Legend says, after John Moxley was burned to death <laughs> by Sparklers, do you think that New Japan should strip him of the IWGP United States title for being part of such an embarrassing fiasco? And Spannerhead 29 says, did the ending of Revolution remind you guys of any bad bedroom experiences? <laughs> um, it didn't particularly, but now that you bring it up. Um yeah, what a what a fucking nightmare scenario! Like the worst case scenario that could possibly happen happened on that. And and here's the thing: I tell you what, that that would have sorry that would have been great in a KOPW match. Yeah, that was that's like a, a Yano style exploding barbed wire death match. That would now the scene, but that would have been fantastic because you would expect that from uh, Yano. Um, so yeah, that would be great. I I, I look. Again, worst case scenario where you have what I thought was a, a pretty well worked 
barbed wire match. Um, I mean, a lot of the times those things are not that great, those matches. Um, and the explosion, again, we're not ex- we're not blowing up the fucking ring, but we're trying to make the visualization of an explosion that happens to be surrounding the ring with the dust and the clouds and all that, um, and the sirens and the countdown. And I mean, they they ripped the, the playbook straight from the finish anyway. They ripped ripped this the right from uh, many a. Uh, FMW exploding barbed wire match where, you know, it's always Onita who, you know, after a hard fought battle, he doesn't want the guy, you know, that he respects at least to get blown to bits. So he's going to cover him and they're both going to walk off triumphantly in the night and probably make out <laughs> a bloody Onita and Terry Funk making out in the dressing in the room. Um, but you need the explosion. I mean, that's that's what people are there for. That's what the hype was for, and oh, what a what a just a just just a, a dribbling cum shot. That was just a just a lackluster. Just blah, 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 blah. Uh, have I ever had a bedroom experience that would be like that? Boy, I'm sure I have. I I, I bet you Cheryl would be a better one to tell, but she could rattle them off on her head. Um, I probably tried to block them out. Um, mm, there have been times, well, does, let me ask you this. Would drinking nights count? Cause there have been drinking nights where like, I would just be like, I just, this, this is not going to end. So you, you might as well just roll over and go to bed now. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You've had that, right, Joel? Uh, yeah. I think we've all been there. Right. Right. My, my worst thing, I, maybe I talked about this before on the podcast. One night I walked the entire length of Brighton, I don't know any listeners who've been there, um, from one end of the, the, the city to the other to uh, hook up, what well, I thought was going to be hook up with a, a lady, and I arrived, and five minutes later she fell asleep, so I ended up walking back home. So oh. <laughs> I suppose that will be a, a good <laughs> equivalent to how this uh, exploding ring went about. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I've had plenty of that. Like, I've had stuff where it's like you're on the phone with a girl, and, like, I had a girlfriend who... Kind of a girlfriend, a girl I was kind of singing. Um, and I would work late. I would work until about like 11 o'clock at night. But then we would get, I would get off work and I would pick her off, pick her up. She would like climb out of her house to, I mean, I was like, you know, this is like high school, you know, like 17, 18, I guess. Um, but I would work in a movie theater and I would get home um, and I would pick her up. And she would have to sneak out of the house a lot of times. She would have to climb, literally climb out of her window, down the roof, shimmy, shimmy down the drain pipe and into the car. And whoop, away we go. Um, but there are plenty of nights where she's like, okay, uh, can't wait to see you, blah, blah, blah. We'll see you in a bit. Okay, all right, see you. And then I pull up and, you know, we had, I had to pull a little side way, you know, a little ways from the house just to not wake up anybody. And we had a designated spot. And uh, I'd be waiting for like an hour. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I and mean, it's not like you had cell phones back then either. So it's not like you could just ring her up or text her. So you just wait. And it's just like, then it becomes a part of, all right, do I cut my losses? What, you know, what? And it sucks because it's like, you, it kills you. Like, people don't know the fucking struggles back then, Joel. 
is like, you can't just send a text and be like, okay, well, I'm out, you know, I'm going home, whatever, blah, 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 and see where your other friends are, if, ever, if anybody, you know, the old you-ups <laughs> go firing out. Um, like, you didn't have that, and it ruined your whole entire fucking night because everybody else is elsewhere, and you don't know where anybody's at. You have no way to get a hold of them. But the fucking struggles we went through to have sex is unbelievable. <laughs> really, we really was. If you really think about the logistics of how we got laid, it, it's... everything was hard about then. Video games, you know, you, the original Super Mario Brothers. Once you lost those five lives, game over. That was it. You're going back to the beginning of the fucking game. No checkpoints there. Kids these days, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's unbelievable. It's like everything. Like the, again, just think about the idea of okay, you you have to ask a girl out in person. You have to, or you're just hanging out and it just happens. Okay, great. You're at a party, whatever. Okay. and But still, you have to make it happen. It doesn't just fall in your lap. You got to fucking work it a little bit. And then, then the idea of, okay, so where are we going to go to make this happen? And then, okay, how do I make this happen again? Is probably the harder part. How do how do I the logistic? What's your phone number? And then they give you your phone number. And then you got to call them. And then you got to actually talk to them. And then... You set up something to do, and then you got to meet at the fucking pizza place, and then you got to fuck. It's I feel like I'm talking from the happy days or something, but uh, well, calling their house and then their dad answers the right, phone. Right, right, Nicole, the phone's for you. <laughs> right, the fucking horror. Oh, you're trying to fucking make some make some headway here, and like your brother picks up the phone. Brian, I'm on the phone. <laughs> Who are you talking to? Why am I doing a whole conversation? Someone tries to connect to the internet, the dial-up while you're on the phone. <laughs> I'm on the phone. Oh, my goodness. What are we talking about again? <laughs> <laughs> Dating in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. All right. Uh, okay, well, Liam says, hey, who do you want to see fight in an exploding barbed wire death match? So uh, g- give me two New Japan wrestlers who you think would do do well and that's good a job if not better than kenneth omega and john moxley did <sighs> I, I, and again just to be clear i thought they did a good job minus the 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 fart in church as i like to say oh yeah yeah the rest the wrestling part of it was tremendous i thought it was really good um boy moxley's a, a good guy to pick i mean if but if i can't pick him uh despy deathmatch despy I'll give you Despi and Shingo. He seems like he was up for it. Shingo would be down. How about Suzuki? How about Suzuki? You think Suzuki would be decent? Do you think Homer can still go? (laughs) He he did a couple days ago. He did. Um, But then you want to put like somebody who's not like a Fale, I think would be pretty great in something like that. Because it is just all just, you know, pounding on each other hot again um you know you don't really have to do too much in the sense of you can make it work and not have to be you know worry about stars you know you're just kind of brawling and shit so i don't know the the the, those are the people i would pick all right i've got a question here from our friends over at keeping it strong star who gave my uh humble question Top billing last week, so let's return the favour here. They said, what's the likelihood New Japan or Bushiroad audibles due to the fan backlash and incorporate the lineage of the IWGP title to this new belt? Any smoke to the rumblings um, 
MGMT knew this unification would be received poorly and chose Ibushi to, uh, management knew this unification would be received poorly and chose Ibushi to take the heat. So that's from uh, young boy Josh. And along similar lines, classic catches, how does the backlash to the news about the intercontinental heavyweight belts compared to the backlash that led to the fan poll for Wrestle Kingdom 8? Could this backlash lead them to them changing their minds. I may have read that last week. I don't know. My brain is just complete mush at the moment. But uh, now you've had a week to digest it, Damon. You, your thoughts about this title unification, lineage, and possibility of New Japan backtracking over this? I don't think they backtrack because I think this is a booking thing. Um, and a, and, a, and a, here's how we're running the promotion thing as opposed to the other things that they may have pulled back on in recent weeks. Um uh, now I think uh, I, I don't th- look again. They've merged titles before. Um, companies have merged titles before. Very important titles at the time. And I know everybody's kind of up in arms of, oh my god, the, the Intercontinental Title is going to be merged in the history of the IWGP. I get it, but it's happened before. Um, I I don't like it. I kind of like what we got. I think to me. There's not a title out there that has the the strength of history behind it um, like these have. And if we're going to just push that aside, I get, the biggest challenge I have with this whole scenario, Joel, the biggest challenge I have with this entire process is why? Like, to me, they merged those titles back then – because there were promotions that were merging and 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 money's being exchanged and all that fun stuff, working relationships and shit. Like if you were going to do that with like again, I'm going to throw out a fucking nonsense idea, but if you were going to th- do that with like the Ring of Honor World Title and the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, okay, great. There, that this is. I just don't see the end game in this. Like, like you're doing this for what reason? Because there's a storyline that we've won two belts. And now one person wants, like the champion just wants to do it. Like in the real world, like, like, wouldn't they be like, well, no, we're not doing, you know what I mean? No. Okay. Well, hold that thought, Damon. How about this as a possibility from Chris? He says, could the merging of the belts and the backlash from it lead to a heel turn for Ibushi? Let's be honest, Ibushi isn't the greatest promo and he seems to struggle with all things champions should be doing outside the ring. A heel turn might do the trick. So what do you think of maybe the idea that this is a vehicle to turn Ibushi heel for it being his wacky idea that led to this unpopular decision? I mean, do you think that's heel worthy? Do you think people are would hate a pro wrestler or at least boo a pro wrestler because they did that? Like that seems like no, no. The heat's on the company, isn't it? Like yeah. we we all know that this has got nothing to do with Ibushi. He's just the lightning rod for it. Yeah, I mean, they're going to put it. That, I mean, at the very least, they have a guy who has a history of doing harebrained things and wacky ideas. But again, the idea of the champion saying, okay, uh, I'm going to merge these belts. <laughs> what? Um, like the whole idea stinks on ice. And truth be told, it has stunk the second the three count went down and Naito won those titles. Like after the, the pop of the crowd and the, the jubi- jubilation that occurred, that title has gone 
considerably downhill. Has it not, Joel? Uh, I've I'm kind of on the fence about the, the unification of the belt. So I thought it was a really cool way to give Naito a first-time thing that he can hang his hat on. Like, you, he was the first ever double champion. But then... The but then he didn't, didn't care about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, nothing makes sense in this fucking thing. Like, they, I understand that they painted themselves into, the, into a corner. But... You know what it feels like? It feels like they did this idea and they had no way to get out of this idea. Like, there was no... There, like, the booking... Like, the page in, in the booking sheets... The, the famous notebook ran out of paper and there's, and they just like, we're like, I will right, we'll figure it out when we get there. And nobody figured it out. <laughs> like nobody figured out how they were going to get out of this jam. But this is a pure 100% booking f- snafu, right? This is, this is all booking. And they, here's the thing. They could change it, but they keep digging the fucking hole deeper. Like, Okay, we just we opened the show with with the dud of of, of the exploding uh, barbed wire deathmatch, and the explosion that was just preposterously hilarious. But at least they had two guys get out there in a promo, and I don't know if you heard it or saw it, whatever. Try to make sense out of it, right? Try to fucking put a spin on it to at least save this fucking thing. And they put the two best guys that they have that do promos, uh, try to fucking connect the dot. We've got a double championship that now we're going to, nobody, nobody wants this. I don't think they're going back is it to answer the question, Joel. I don't think like fan backlash is going to make them stop. I don't, but I, and I could be wrong, but I don't, um, they had years to find a solution to this, and some of them were quite easy. And yet they plowed along, not – I just – for a company that we praise about their booking and for a company that we praise about how they specifically handle that championship title, I, I've sat here for three, four fucking years talking about this title and how – prestigious it is and how they protect it and how the and now it's just like bah, bah, you know what i mean like it's just preposterous now i'm worked up over this now i really don't like it <laughs> okay maybe we should uh, change direction and let's talk about wrestle grand slam so we had announcements that they're going to run yokohama stadium may 15th and then tokyo dome on may 29th so a few questions about this we work stiff says chris charm keeps hinting at big things ahead on post show comments what could possibly be in store to allow new japan to run two stadium shows within a fortnight presumably off only a fortnight bill post on taku and daffy dunk says since wrestle grand slam got announced do you think guys from AEW like mox and people from impact like anderson and gallows could show up at the dome show so what was your feeling about these two uh, dome shows that have been announced? I was shocked. I was sh- I I was shocked because one, no one told us. <laughs> I know. I was just going to say that. <laughs> that's that, I mean that's number one. Uh, we legitimately did not know, so I guess they wanted to keep it even a secret from us. Uh, two, 
I suppose that's the sort of thing I couldn't have fudged, is it? Like, you know what, Damon? You know what I think would be good? Two miscellaneous dome shows in the middle of May. <laughs> right, right. There was no, uh, yeah, there was no hinting. There was no suede concert there in Yokohama. That's for fucking sure. Um, the uh, speaking of preposterous, <laughs> boy, we 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 might we might want to put that under preposterous uh two two stadium shows what in god's name are they going to put in those shows here's here's the thing they have to bring in outside people i feel like they i feel like they have to because what do they have in their back pocket that is going to, to be important enough for not one two baseball stadium shows do you think they really that fussed about the attendance? Because some fans have been uh, discussing and looking on this like that. This is just trying to get as many shows as you can, as much content as you can to make up for lost revenue. And they don't care whether they sell it out or not. Um, I mean, I think they always care. Like whatever tickets they put on sale, they want them to be sold. Um, no, I mean, they, they still... But they're, to- they're not worried about the optics of you know, Quarterfield Stadium or whatever. Maybe not as much as we do here in the West, but like they still have to pay for the show. It's not like they're walking in and saying, okay, we got a baseball stadium for free, right? I'm sure that there's rent on these buildings. Um, and I, I would think that it's more expensive, just the production, the stage setup, the uh, uh, concessions, the rental, all of the above, right, is more expensive than running, I don't know, fucking Otta Ward Gymnasium. I, I just, the idea, and here's the thing too, what we're doing now if, in this is we're watering down the importance of Tokyo Dome shows and outdoor shows. I mean, these shows should be really the the end of programs that can draw and have people excited and fired up, right? I mean, that's I mean that's the idea of these big shows in the history of pro wrestling. Whether they whether they're panned out or not, I mean, that's usually by the gate and you know fan interest and all that stuff. But the the goal is that, right? I just I, I'm 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 baffled by this one, like the idea of them, the idea of the 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 arrogance of New Japan to think that they have a show in their back pocket um, to to deliver two shows, two shows, right, right, within a fortnight, right. I mean, they have to be bringing in somebody, don't you think? Give me, give me. Give me what you think could possibly, with the roster that they have, that's going to headline that that the, those shows. I don't know. Maybe this is the time you, if, if uh, the travel allows it, this is when you want to have uh, your forbidden door spectacular. Who knows? <sighs> I mean, and actually, are... actually, having said that, no, I don't think so. Because one, is that a draw for domestic fans? I'm not sure it is. And two, if you're not able to get any Western fans over, then what's the point? I don't so know. I've just talked myself out of it. 
I th- I would think that that a Kenny return is more important in the United States than it is in in Japan. Now that being said, I think overall it would it's not like the the, the like a like like the the the, the hometown Japanese fan is going to hand wave that the return of Kenny Omega like that 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 would do well and of course here it would be berserko you know like people would be going nuts um look i know we're we're just speculating and we're just spitballing here but two shows two stadium shows like they can't headline these fucking shows with you know a bushy evil, right? Well, maybe this is just speaking to sort of because of the, the restrictions on capacity and state of emergency, all, all that, uh, the downgrading of certain shows and certain venues. So previously on Osaka Joe Hall with uh, a spicy card and good builds could get you, I don't know, 11,000 fans in the building. Now Osaka Joe Hall is doing, what, 3,000, if that? So things like Dominion in Osaka Joe Hall or New Beginning in Osaka Joe Hall is not as valuable to New Japan as it once was because they're not getting in the kind of numbers that they they want or they need. So maybe this is just their way of getting in that Dominion level crowd, but they've got to do it in a stadium because they can't get that number of people in Osaka Joe Hall. Yeah, I mean, look, if they're looking for a, a number... And they have to consider the fact that they're going to be limited with capacity. I mean, that that is true. But once again, like I said, I mean, we're kind of watering down these these big shows, aren't we? Back to back. Mm. Look, I I appreciate the balls that they have. I just don't know what the fuck they're going to put on top. That would be that anyone would consider it stadium worthy i just don't i don't i don't know i don't and you know what and maybe i'm talking myself out of it now joel but i don't think they can fucking bring many people over at all <laughs> i don't know <laughs> real down here are we okay let me throw another question at you from uh who's that from nicole who says does the running of wrestle grand slam where best of the super juniors would normally be uh, an indicator best of the super juniors is moving or do you think these will somehow incorporate best of the super junior shows um, I, I would be leaning towards maybe Best of the Super Juniors being in the same place it was last year, although I'm not really certain at all. I mean, that, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't think they would put it. I can, I can be dead wrong. It is logistically, why not put it there? But um, that, I think, but the, you're not headlining the, the Best of the Super Juniors in a stadium. I mean, that's going to be like third down, right? Like if you're running a stadium show, right? Third from the top. Joe, I wish I knew. I wish I I wish I had the fucking answer, but like to me, I don't know. Like again, you can't put you can't have Ibushi Sonata <laughs> you know, running running any of these shows. I just I don't know. I don't. I don't. I. That's what's troublesome. And like when we go into Wrestle Kingdom season, you we know. Okay, our main events, our top. We know the top three matches pretty much a, a long time away. 
and you know you can get hyped for it and you can debate on which but you still felt like you got a, a sol- I have no idea. I fucking have no idea what they're going to put on in these shows. Not a clue. And here's the thing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but G1, they, they're at the Olympics, right? And the Olympics are, are happening in Japan. They, they're not bringing in fans like from other countries in, but the Olympics are happening. So G1 is moved. Like, you don't even have the draw of that. Like, you could do a G1 final. I don't know. I, I have no fucking clue what they're going to do. Well, let's move on to talk about New Japan Strong then, an episode that I think was notable as much as for who wasn't on the show as for who was on the show. I'm talking, of course, about the uh, news that a lot of people were expecting Marty Skull to appear at the end of this episode, and he didn't. It seems that they've cut that from the, the recording. So there was supposed to be a post-match angle with Marty Skull and Rocky Romero after Rocky's match with Leo Rush, and that did not appear on the feed. So... I think we, we've got to say the right call to cut it out. Very disappointed that we got in this mess in the first place that happened, that they, they were put into this situation that they thought was a good idea to book him in the first place, but right course of action to get rid of it. Yeah. I mean, I know people are upset by that too, that it shouldn't have happened in the first place, but I want you to strongly consider this. This is pro wrestling. And this would have never have happened, never have happened 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Like it just, it, it, it would have happened. So the fact that um, many people's voices were heard and the company recognized it is a positive thing, right? Now, um, I, I, I went on a, a rant kind of call, not kind of calling them out and saying at, at, at every turn, the company has, has not stepped up to the plate, has not done the right thing. Um, and, and, and again, maybe it's sometimes it, a company or a person or whatever needs to be shaken a little bit to be like, Oh, I, you know, okay. I didn't know. I, not that I didn't know, but I, you know what I mean? Like they just need to be fucking rattled to be like, okay, oh, well, all right, we're not doing this. So again, while the one side is, and I could say it, is that it shouldn't have never have happened. Two, it, in, in the pro wrestling world, the fact that it did happen is pretty remarkable. Um, and I have to give credit to New Japan for at least – waking up from their stupor um, and doing the right thing eventually. Well, it was a pretty good episode of New Japan Strong, all things considered. The opening match saw the return of Alex Coughlin and Carl Fredericks, and they beat the team of Kevin Knight and Clark Connors. That was really, really good. I'd, I'd recommend people watch that because Coughlin and Fredericks have been away for a while and they came in with the energy of a couple of guys who were worried their spots were going to get taken. So there was a, a lot of uh, ferocity and intensity in this match that I really, really enjoyed. Some amazing feats of strength from Alex Coughlin. So I would strongly recommend people check that out. Uh, no pun intended. Um, then we had a couple of qualifying matches for the New Japan Cup USA with Tom Lawler defeating the DKC. 
And I really like Tom Lawler. I think he's a guy that New Japan should be doing all they can to, to sign and, and get him over to Japan as soon as they can because he just brings something a bit different to the table with his mixed martial arts backgrounds. He just he, he wrestles in a different way, uh, you know, different rhythm and, and structure to his matches. Like, for example, this match started with him just kicking the DKC right in the face and sending him flying across the ring and some really good um, submission work throughout the match, good, good transitions, good scrambles, which you don't see from too many wrestlers these days. So, uh, yeah, big fan of Tom Lawler. I would love to see more of him. And then we had a really good main event with Leo Rush defeating Rocky Romero in another New Japan Cup US a qualifying match in 13 minutes uh, 57 and it's about what you, you'd expect from two really talented high-paced high-flying individuals uh great arm work there was a really creative spot in the match where rocky was out of his depth and he could tell he was losing and then leo rush went for a handspring and then rocky kicked Leo in the elbow as he was upside down and, and his elbow buckled under him and then he started working over his elbow. So I, I really, really enjoyed that. And Rocky Romero is a very versatile performer because he can do that underdog baby face stuff where the crowd behind him, like when he's wrestling against a, a, an El Fantasmo, but then he can also be the kind of, you know, shitty crafty veteran who's going to use some underhanded tricks to get his way past someone who he knows is, is better than him. So really good stuff. Uh, and again, Leo Rush continues to impress me. He, again, we've said it a million times, they, they've got to do what they can to get him over to Japan for best of the Super Juniors, at least, because he could breathe a lot of new life into the uh, New Japan Junior Division. Um, Mark says, do you think there's any chance we see any AEW or Impact talent in this New Japan Cup USA on strong? Uh, Impact, possibly... I I don't know. I, I wouldn't rule out either, actually. I don't think you're going to get any, you know, top-tier main event-level talent wrestling in the New Japan Cup USA and on Strong, but it wouldn't shock me to see names from either company popping up for that. No, me neither. M- me neither. Um, you know, you're the, you're the guy who tunes in every single week for Strong. And I will say that I do parachute in um, for you know stuff that's a little bit more newsworthy, maybe. Um, but every time I do pop in, it's always good. Like it's never, I'm never disappointed with it. Would you say, being that you've watched more than I have and more than other people, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a a a thought here. Is Strong the best episodic pro wrestling show going right now? For my taste, yes, because there's none of the shenanigans or melodramatic stuff that is not to my taste. I mean, it certainly is to others, but it is just pure wrestling. You know what you're going to get every week. You get three high-quality matches that don't overstay their welcome. The only thing it's lacking is a, a hot crowd, really. And I think if you put that stuff in front of a crowd, then it's going to get really good responses because it's getting better. Continuity is getting better. They're getting better at having something to make me think, oh, well, I've got to check out next week's episode. So, yeah, it, it's a really underrated show. And I'm not just saying that because it was hand waveable several months ago. I couldn't, you know, it was a, a bit of a chore to watch. But now they've got really high level talent on there. I was watching that opening tag match with Fredericks and Coglin and, and um, Connors and Kevin Knight and thinking, you know, these are really, really good wrestlers. These are wrestlers that would do very well in, in other North American companies. And 
New Japan have got to make sure they make the most of them there. And added to that, the big names like your Tom Lawler's, Chris Dickinson's, Leo Rush's. There's really a lot to sink your teeth into. It's fresh, it's exciting. You're not seeing, uh, you know, mid-carders who have done done everything in New Japan just going through the motions and spinning their wheels there, which you did get to a certain extent with previous tapings. Here you've got new names, you've got young up-and-comers and you've got people from independents or other promotions who want to get their chance in New Japan. So people who actually give a fuck, who are trying really hard to, to impress people. And I enjoy it. I mean, it sounds... And again, every week you're here and you 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 do the review. And every week it's like, okay, this sounds like a show that is right up my alley. And it sounds like a show that's right up a lot of people's alleys. What What's missing? Like, why... Is it New Japan just not able to promote it strong enough? Is it like why is it why is it still continuing to fall under the radar? I think it's the empty arena. I think people don't want to watch that anymore. Yeah. I think that is the big disconnect. I think again, if you put that in front of even a small audience, but you know, hot hot crowds making noise, then I think people will start tuning in regularly. You know, people are starting to get in, in buildings. Uh, you know, I'm covering hockey games now, Joel, and they're letting in. Like 3,000 people into this fucking building. Um, and that number is only going to get higher and higher. I mean, they they, they announced in Texas, uh, Texas Rangers baseball. So stadium holds about 50,000. Full house. There will be no restrictions. And now, again, it is Texas. But, but uh, full house. Um, other sports, letting people in. I don't know what Cal- – they, they tape in California. Um, I don't know – what their restrictions are, but man, the minute they can, they can make that happen. They got to be all over it. Even if they just gave away fucking tickets for free. And that's what they really should do. Give those tickets away for free. Just get a hot crowd in there. Yeah. These shows sound really good, man. I I tell you, I I mean, here's the thing too. And well, okay. I I was about to say like, it's on Friday night and Friday nights. I'm, I'm probably got my hands full. But um, and it's on the fucking network. I can watch it anytime. I can watch it fucking anytime. So you know, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bit more diligent in that because it sounds like it's something that I need to watch. It's here's what it is. It sounds like something that everyone needs to watch, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, we've got another couple of uh, New Japan Cup qualifying matches next week with Hikuleo against Jordan Clearwater and Fred Rosser versus Jr. Crater. So to uh, big beefy boys I'm looking forward to that one I think that'll be good uh, so let's get on to talk about some of the uh, Japanese based wrestling I know it seems like a lifetime ago but we should talk about this anniversary event from uh, Thursday March the 4th in uh, Budokan Hall let's talk about the main event which was the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental double championship match where the champion Ibushi successfully defended against El Desperado in 20 minutes 36 via Kanagoye trying to remember <laughs> who I can about this match. Uh, I, I liked it. I didn't at any point buy that Desperado was going to win, which you know, compromised some of the uh, the dramatic integrity of the match. Uh, but I thought Desperado acquitted himself really well. Um, I was not sure about him kicking out of the Kamigoye. As much as I like him, it seems like everyone's kicking out of the Kamigoye. I, I would have been perfectly fine with him just eating the regular knee pad one and getting pinned after that. But uh, it made him look good. So 
I guess they want to make, make your junior champion look strong as well. And it was also interesting to look at it through the lens of the Suzuki-gun dynamics, where we saw Taichi uh, ringside providing moral support for Despi, and then after the match, sort of stroking his head and going, you know, like, you did well, man. Good job um, compared to several years ago in the, the 2017 Best of the Super Juniors when there was a really dysfunctional uh, Despi versus Kanemaru match with Taichi and Taka in the corners and everyone was bullying uh, Despi. Taichi was giving him all sorts of grief and Despi got really upset in that match. So it was good to see the, the development and growth in their their bond and their relationship because, you know, Suzuki-gun, that's, all, that's the, the heartwarming, that's the, the fuzzies, the warm fuzzies, huggy <laughs> faction now. So... Uh, Good match, Damon. What did you think of it? Yeah, that's what I would say. Good match. Um, I don't think it was great. Um, and, I, and again, some of that might have to do with the fact that at no point was I on the edge of my chair uh, in, on any of the near falls or anything like that. It's just, you know, you kind of knew where this was going to lead. Um, that being said, again, I thought it was a good match. I, there, I... I I am under the, the the same banner as you when it comes to making God, not everybody has to be Superman in these world title matches, right? It's okay for him to eat a finishing move and take the pin, right? It's perfectly fine. And again, you're talking to two guys who, well, one guy who's a massive El Desperado fan and another guy who is very much an El Desperado fan. So, um, you know, we want the best for him because we're fans. But in the grand scheme of things, like I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Um, I don't, th- I, and I don't think that would have hurt him. Like I don't think you needed to give him that extra layer of uh, credibility. Like I think he's already built that. Um, Unless they they want bigger things for him. I don't know. But they've done that in the past, too, with those anniversary shows and the junior just having, you know, extra fighting spirit to be able to to kick out of a finisher or kick out of something that spelled near death. Um, I don't want to like, do you feel like the, the, the crowd or the, did you feel like I don't want to say it was a letdown, but do you feel like it was a situation where the crowd was they knew too, and it, and even though their their general disposition is root for the underdog, do you kind of feel like it felt that way in the crowd too, and that hurt the match? I can't remember. I mean, I I feel that um, trying to gauge crowd reactions when they're only allowed to clap and draw conclusions from that is it's tough yeah, clutching at straws really I, I I don't know if I would be able to really say too much about that will this match be in anyone's discussion for match of the year uh, I can think of a couple of people uh, our friend of the show Jay Michael is definitely uh, I, I think there's a good chance of that because he is a huge fan of both guys. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see it in there just for the sort of significance of it and, and being the second Budokan Hall main event for El Desperado. But uh, will it be in my top 10? Almost certainly not. Probably not for me either. Yeah. Okay. All right. Is that disappointing? Um, is that disappointing for you? I wouldn't say the match left me disappointed. No. Okay. All right. No, I thought they were 
they were fine. It was a yeah. really good match. Very good. Very good. Not great. But you know, I wasn't expecting a, a transcendental match because uh, these were won. I never thought Desperado was going to win. So that is, it was sort of handicapped from the start, really. So um, I do want to talk to you about the attendance for this show. So Andrew says, is New Japan getting outdrawn by stardom during the Budokan doubleheader? Something that will turn heads internally within Bushiroad. Ditto for Noah doing over a thousand more fans than them uh, during the worst stage of the pandemic to boot. Will it do anything to stop the current trend of last minute card announcements? So yeah, your thoughts on the attendance, Damon. I mean, I, I do, I, I should say that the, the stardom, judging by photographs of the stardom attendance compared to the new Japan one may lead some people to question the veracity of the number that was uh, released for that particular stardom show. I'm, I'm not saying I believe that to be the case. I'm just saying that, that you know, that, that discourse is, is out there if you choose to peruse it. So uh, do you think any serious concerns about the attendance for this show and m- may it cause New Japan to think, hmm, we should start promoting stuff a bit further in advance now? Well, it always helps, right? It, I mean, to me, the idea of not knowing what you're getting yourself into a handful of days, you know, you're buying a ticket blindly. Um, now, I, I would say that New Japan has a very good track record and in in delivering in those scenarios, but I mean, you are at a disadvantage. Now, the fact that, okay, if we do take those numbers as gospel, then it is eye-opening, that's for sure, right? It is something that, that might help support that theory of, you know, going in to a show and not really knowing what what it's going to be two or you know a week ahead of time is is troublesome but they were kind of what are they going to do you know what i mean how how you, they were they were they were left holding the fucking bag um in this with the injury to Hiromo. so i mean how how would they have been able to fix that i, I guess is my question i guess if you want to go with uh, the the dave meltzerisms i would file that under promotional malpractice rather than creatively bankrupt <laughs> if, if we have to go to, to one of those extremes. Um, all right, well, we're 50 minutes into the show. Let's talk about the New Japan Cup then. Uh, Louis says, my brackets broke on night two. <laughs> Hello, darling. Come here. Come and sit with daddy. Um, thanks a lot, Goto. How are you guys doing with your brackets? Yeah, I, I, I got... I, I did pick Taichi to go through. Uh, I'm sure there was a, a, another few that I got wrong as well there are a few coin tosses but uh yeah my, my brackets are fucked i've got really? <laughs> there's no way i'm gonna win i think um chris samsa who who is hosting our pickums i think he's actually top at the moment i don't know how it's going to shake up with uh today's upsets but uh yeah how are your pickums holding up uh i mean my, again keep in mind that i i'm terrible and i never did submit them formally but i did them on the show so there's a public record of them right um I, I think I'm doing well. I, ha- I mean, I had Cobb. Um, I had Ocon in the first round. I had uh, Fale. I think um, I lost there. Uh, not think I know I did. Uh, I believe I went with you with Tai Chi, like, like a dope. Um, and uh, I had Shingo. And I, oh, I had- picked Juice as well, so I got that wrong. Oh, uh, I had Suzuki. And I, and I had Kenta. And I had Will, and I had Zach, and I had Yuji Nagata, and I had Sonata. I think I picked Chase Owens. 
Um, I had Yoshihashi and I had Jay White. So maybe two or three that I've shit the bed on, but not overall, not that bad. <laughs> Excuse the noise. Uh, big picture thoughts on this New Japan Cup, Damon. I'm really enjoying it because. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to come, in, come and join the podcast? Come Esther, on. Come. Get her on here. She's just walked into the room with a teaspoon and she's very excited about that. I um, would be too. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, up until the show that we've just watched, uh, I thought I, I was really enjoying the shows. I mean, I'm not watching the undercards, I'm just watching the cup matches, and they uh, no, none of them have gone over. 25 minutes I think uh, they've all had for the most part pretty clean finishes they've been well worked this is exactly the sort of stuff I want to see from New Japan so I think uh, by and large they they are really delivering a, a very good tournament so far especially compared to last year's which was a bit disappointing yeah um, I don't think there's a first round match that I completely hand waved like every match uh, to me at least try to give me something. Um, and, and, you know, you go into a, you go into a show with, with Fale and Yano, right. Uh, or even Finley and, and chase to a certain degree or Yujiro and Yoshihashi. Uh, you know, you, you could easily hit that fast forward button and not lose any sleep over it. I think that every match has been at least good. Um, and dare I say, I think we've, I think it's, uh, safe to say that there have been matches that have been great. Uh, you know, uh, if, if we're, if we're throwing flowers, I think Okada and, uh, Shingo was fucking great, great. Um, so I don't know how anybody could be disappointed in this first round. I mean, winners and losers aside, like I think everybody's putting their best foot forward on this one. Um, and again, matches aren't overstaying their welcome. Um, they're quick. If you're if you're not watching the undercard, and trust me, why would you? Um, I don't think there's anything terrible. Now, again, is there shit that I'm like, Ugh, I wish they wouldn't do that? Like this whole fucking Tenzon thing where he, they forget the, you know, that he's not supposed to do the Mongolian chop. Yeah. Okay, great. But the biggest sticking points that everyone has fucking had on, on this, you know, in the past two years, the outside interference, the bullshit, the nonsense, the fucking, I, I that's been kept to a, to a minimum. Um, Until today's show. <laughs> if you're not oh, a fan no, of that, maybe, really? maybe you might want to give Thursday show a miss. Oh, no, really? Uh, is that the evil uh, Cobb match? Yeah, shocking. I know that the evil main event did not have a, a crystal clear finish. But, uh, oh, yeah. you, well, all right, well, you don't give the finish. You know, I, I, I will take that, though. For one person in a bracket of 32, or 30, rather, to be doing that, I'll, I'll allow that. And I didn't mind it as much today given that i was delivered pretty much clean finishes for all the other shows i've seen so it's about doing this stuff in moderation and not giving me an entire fucking card of it like they did at castle attack night one but um right yeah it's, it's been good stuff so um uh, bash says last year we got no preview tag matches in the new japan cup do you think they should have stuck to the same format this year even though they're fans in attendance now no you you gotta have the undercard tag for the live fans but i'm not watching them and um you're not either right no no i have not watched okay. them all. Right, well, I mean, let's I'll, give our... 
Yeah. Uh, unless something like if I see something generally newsworthy occurred, I'll watch. But like, I'm not going out of my way to watch fucking mm-hmm. Suzuki Goon against Gabriel Kidd, Homa, and uh, Uremura. Uh, that's not happening. Yeah. Yeah, damn right. Those those days are behind me, Damon. So uh, let's give our quick thoughts on these first round matches. Then, so we had uh, Cobb versus Kojima. Let me let me get the result of this one. So this was also at the anniversary show. So uh, Jeff Cobb defeated Satoshi Kojima in eleven minutes fifty seconds with Tour of the Islands. I thought this one was was really good. Uh, Jeff Cobb just continues to look like a beast. They're doing um, a better job at coming up with creative spots to highlight his power and his strength um for example him catching kojima in midair that was really spectacular and and again little touches from cobb's side to put his opponents over like he was going all out to stop kojima from removing his elbow pad which is showing you know he he respects and fears the lariat because he got pinned by the lariat castle attack so um just uh, more and more i watch jeff cobb he's reminding me of, of gary albright the way he's really starting to be able to ragdoll a pretty big boys he was doing it against evil tonight as well and Really good finish as well, where Kojima was about, he was uh, powering up the Lariat, the strongest arm, and just ran straight into Tour of the Islands. That was done really well. So, uh, yeah, good stuff, Cobb versus Kojima. I liked it. I tell you what, Kojima owes uh, the Empire a, a little a little something backstage, maybe a couple beers after a show, because they have helped him have a sneaky good year, as the kids like to say. Like, he's had a pretty decent fucking year so far, hasn't he? Like, an and, and unexpected, like, we always talk about these guys can still go, you know, um, throwing Yuji Nagata in that mix, too. Um, yeah, the I mean, no, no one was expecting a Wrestle Kingdom singles match with Kojima. Right, right. But it's like this, like, he's had a sneaky good year. Um, Cobb, the thing that stood out to me this week, if, and speaking of and one of these nonsense multi-man tags, was it Master Watto? The way that he fucking just tossed him around and then finally threw him into the tour of the islands. There's there's a thing online. It like you watch it and you will watch it again and again because you're just amazed. At, and again, there, some cooperation from Master Watto, um, you know, is, is needed to to pull this off. But it was like flip up, down, flip around, turn around, boop, tour the islands. <laughs> it's really, really impressive. Go out of your way to try and find that. It's really good. Yeah, he also did a lot of that in the Evil match uh, tonight, which was quite impressive because Evil's a big lad and he was just you know, doing like a belly to belly, you know, release suplexes. Just uh, uh, there were some spots where he was lifting up uh, Evil and um, Dick Togo at the same time. Just he just looked tremendous out there. I really hope they've got something planned for him because I think his over the last six months or so his ceiling has skyrocketed yes if that makes sense no absolutely yeah I mean there there is value in Jeff Cobb there there's absolutely and if you look back you know not the last G1 but the one previous where everyone was kind of like you know not not a lot of praise being pushed his way I feel like it's a night like he feels motivated and he feels, I mean, you know, getting getting the old the nod from the company helps, but um, like he looks just like not a guy going through the motions, and like he just feels energetic. Like he feels <laughs> that's 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 a great Ocon touch. I think you know, it's like that tag team 
help spark him. And now, now look at him. Yeah, I hope they have things for him. I hope it's not just a he's not just going to be a mid card feeder to the stars. We also had Great Ocon defeating Tetsuya Naito in twenty minutes twenty seconds via referee stoppage. Um, I thought this was great. I mean, I love yeah. this so much. Uh, the, the chemistry between these two very strong characters was great. Like Ocon just glaring daggers in, into Naito while Naito does, does his like slow motion undressing, and then Naito just taking the piss out of Ocon throughout the match and mocking his pose. And just the way the match played out with Ocon using his his power and his strength to counter. Naito's his moves like his flying forearm his tornado DDT and, and just like dropping him straight on his face and, and Okan is not you know hugely jacked ripped muscular guy like other wrestlers on the roster his, his physique it kind of reminds me of um, like uh, these Mongolian sumo yokozuna like um Kakuryu and, and Hakuho where you, they don't you know they don't have like you know the shredded six pack bulging muscles all that but they've got really um, surprising un, un, unexpected strength and that came through in this match for me the way Okan was able to just like stop some of Naito's high flying moves like dead in midair and just just absolutely plant him in, into the mat and What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy. And let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E330. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one, and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security, though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill in the toolbox. The Eufy has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four month lifespan, two-way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24-7 customer support, and you'll love this, none of those pesky monthly fees. Eufy sent me a Smart Lock 330 and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus, it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car if I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys, and the two-way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or a roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock ufeofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network he also did a really good job in this match mixing up the knee work with that to execute 
counters at really key moments in the match like very very high level stuff you know this is it wasn't like filler work you know, oh, I'm just going to work on his knee for two minutes while I catch my breath it actually played into how the, the match twisted and turned and, and how the momentum changed like you can tell Ocon is a real student of the game he's a very intelligent man and it had his moments of, of being explosive as well like the flying lariat down the stretch that was really exciting and then Naito kicked out of that and O'Connor just didn't miss a beat. He went straight into the knee bar. You know, there was no pulling faces at the camera. Oh no, he kicked out. It's just like bang, straight into working the knee again and just chaining the, the submissions together down the stretch and chopping Naito while he's in the submission, screaming in his face. It was, it was incredible. I really love this. I thought Naito did a great job selling it as well. Selling was brilliant. He was like Naito licking his lips and, and desperately looking around for the nearest rope, trying to scramble over like his life depended on it. And then eventually the referee calling it off a great way to end the match and the post-match was just as good because Naito spent the entire match making fun of Okan and then Okan just turned into this belligerent arsehole and, and gave gave it all back to Naito taking the piss out of his you know the the eye gesture that he does um the young lions having to prize Okan's arms off of Naito he's throwing the young lions out he's stamping on Naito's knee and mocking him stealing the ice packs throwing them on the floor it just from start to finish I know I, I talk about it a lot and, and I get it there's lots of people who are not into him and it's just I think it's one of those things now where it's divisive if, if you don't like him I don't know that he can show you anything else that's going to bring you around it's just a, a sort of stylistic thing if you don't like it you don't like it and I'm not going to tell you you're wrong or you're stupid for not getting it it's just a, a question of personal preference but personally this guy has quickly become uh, one of my very favourite wrestlers in the company I thought this match was tremendous yeah I, I did too I, and and I think the biggest challenge that people have with him is that like I had a conversation and I, I with someone the, and I mentioned the fact that I really do think he is tremendous and he kind of looked at me like like I was out of my mind and I was like like okay no he's not Shibata no he's not fucking Okada no he's not fucking Ishii or Shingo like he's not he's not that guy he's this, which is which is very much different from the guys that I mentioned stylistically and in ring wise, but to appreciate what he does do and what he does really well for a guy that's very young in his career is pretty amazing. Um, I still love that fucking entrance. I'm telling you, I think the fucking entrance is is it it, it if it wiggled one way or the other, it could be silly. And ridiculous, but it's not. It's cool. I really like it. Um, I'm gonna. I agree with everything you just said. He got a win over Naito, his biggest of his career, and you can't tell me that's not a significant win. Not and the way that he won, right? And and the post match where he's just throwing fucking young lines through ropes and just being. A badass and devastating and and a, a fucking tornado that, that tore through town. Correct me if I'm wrong, Joel. He just lost a Toriano. Yeah. That's that's the next thing I was gonna talk what about. What the fuck I, is this? I, I don't understand. How Esther do you can't go? believe it either? <laughs> yeah, Esther Esther's losing her mind. Like, how like just from a you just gave a guy the biggest win of his fucking career over a made guy. Over a made fucking guy. He didn't get a tap out over Gabriel Kidd. 
You, you, you did this to a made guy. Like, that's what's baffling to me. Like, what? how does that make any sense? Well, I guess if you were in charge of booking and let's say, for sake of argument, you are definitely having evil going through to the semifinals, then you've got a decision to make about Okan. Do you have him have the fluke roll-up loss to Yano or then do you have him lose to Evil in the next round? Which one yeah, of those is... Eve, lose to Evil in the first round yeah, and that's I, I where you ha- do the agree. bullshit. Like, if I you're going to give a fuck finish, that's where you do it. To have a guy who's just, you know, on a roll and he beat Naito and he's chugging along and it, and he can dominate this match and then he gets fucked over by Evil and, and Dick Togo. That's when you do it. Agree. You know what I mean? Yep. Instead, you have a shit... Was it a roll-up? Uh, yeah, yeah, some sort of um, fluky pinning combination. That makes him look like a boob, yet. right? Makes him look like a boob. Makes him look like a fucking idiot. Like, what planet are we on? What, what what planet are we on? How can I, does that seem simple to you, Joel? Yeah, it wouldn't have been the way I booked it. And no. I know people say that a loss to Yano doesn't really hurt anyone, but just it just cut off it the does. momentum from that big night to win at Budokan Hall. It just cut off right at the knees and unnecessary. Put you know if that's going to be a problem for you, put Okan in a different set of the brackets where he can go through a few guys and not have to <laughs> lose to fucking Toriano. Ah! That's so right. annoying, I mean, look, Damon. And here's the thing, the, the idea of Toriano always getting the, you know, he can get a surprise win and Tanahashi's fallen victim to him. And, you know, there's many guys that have just, you know, gotten that fuck up. Oh, okay. I, 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 I hear people saying it. But the, like, that's not going to hurt Hiroshi Tanahashi. In yeah, any you, way, you don't do it to an up-and-coming young guy right. who's just got his, what, his only singles? No, his second singles win of his career post-excursion. I mean, again, he didn't just get past the first round by beating fucking Tenzan. You know, or, you know, just, you know, somebody who's in this fucking tournament just to be a placeholder. Yeah, he I mean, I guess you could argue guy. that he, yeah, he, he got his rub he got his signature win over Naito so it didn't really matter whether he went out in the second round or, or the quarterfinals but I mean personally I think it would have been more beneficial for him to go against Evil and, and run him close and make himself look like a badass before getting overwhelmed by the numbers but maybe they didn't, didn't want to tell that story two, two matches in a row with Evil because that was very much a story they told against Jeff Cobb I thought Jeff Cobb looked, yeah he, he did really well he literally <laughs> carried the match um <laughs> So maybe they didn't want to do that and then do the same story again against Okan. I think it would have worked because, you know, you could have Okan as like, you know, trying to get revenge for his uh, fallen empire comrade and coming closer. You know, I think that would have been better than the Yano bullshit loss. But what do I know? Right. If Evil's going to be the guy that's going to be the cheat to win guy, right, and he needs the to cheat to win, why not establish it and go all in? I, I I don't know, man. I, that like that's 
I, I, this is, and this is not a, a situation where it is, oh, my guy didn't fucking win, so now I hate it. That's not it at all. It just makes no sense. No, is anyone going to remember that, that Ocon beat Naito by, by now losing to Yano? I think so. I, I think that yeah. was a really memorable moment. I hope so, man. I really hope so. Because here's what they've done. Here's what they've done. Here's what they've done. Uh, they've done everything in their power to make you not remember it. Let's put it that way. A roll-up win over fuck. Yeah, come on. Mm. All right. Well, let's move on to Toriano defeating Bad Luck Farley in five minutes, 50 seconds by count out. Uh, best thing I can say about this match is that it was uh, only five minutes long. Yep. Yep, it was. <laughs> it was. Uh, we talk about, fi- you know, hey, listen, it wasn't terrible, but it was just, you know, it, look, five minutes of nonsense to me. And just, you know, I'm more, I'm more, I, I, what does this company see? Like, with the, like, Toriano, for all the 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 the, the ranting and raving we we do, they give him wins. They, they like they put him in scenarios where he he has a spotlight. They they do like him. They do like him. That's for sure. Uh, the main event on that show was Hiroki Goto defeating Taichi in twenty two minutes forty three seconds by GTR. Uh, David, this is the match that I was imagining when I made all those Cartwheel Deathmatch predictions three years ago. I think this was the best iteration of any potential Taichi versus Goto match. I thought this was really, really good. Like, there, there was no bullshit. Taichi looked really angry and pissed off and was just choking Goto constantly. There was even a great moment where Goto was setting him up for the GTR and Taichi put his hand up and grabbed Goto around the throat and managed to choke his way out of that. And just at the back of, they were hitting each other so hard and dropping each other on their heads. This was really, really great stuff, David. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I stylistically, I'm kind of more excited for Shingo and Goto, right? Knowing that if Shingo were were to go on, like if I were to have the choice. I think Goto and Shingo is more maybe stylistically uh, a match that that I could get. But here's the thing: Taichi can can well, he could fucking go. I mean, either one. It just seems weird. Like Goto just fucking sits in the shadows all year, and you you forget about him. And you probably shouldn't, especially in situations like this. And I think Goto's there to put over Shingo. I mean, I don't think he gets a win, but. Um, I don't know. Goto to me is dry as toast, and it's uh, it's hard for me to get excited over Goto. I mean, again, assuming that it's a Shingo match, I'll take it, and I think it'll be very good. He's just one of those guys where I'm kind of like, Ugh. it's hard for me to get excited over Goto. We had Minoru Suzuki defeating Tomaki Honma in 40 minutes, 54 seconds with the Gotch-style power driver. And Honma is a guy that we, we give a lot of shit because often he looks like absolute crap uh, in tag matches and multi-man matches. Yet, weirdly, when he gets these singles matches, he always seems to put on a good show, doesn't he? He did this time. That's for fucking sure. Like, I, like this match had, was better than it had any rights being. I mean, you got, uh, you know, a 50-plus-year-old 
Suzuki, and Honma is probably not that far off, to be honest. Uh, and, and we all know Honma's medical history. Uh, this was good. I really liked this match. Um, again, with Honma playing the underdog, playing the guy who's not going to back down from Suzuki. And Suzuki, I don't care what anybody says. I'll put his chops against anybody's. The way that he, the sound that he creates with those chops and those forearm strikes, like the pop that you hear is unbelievable. And then there were shots, you know, open hand shots to the face that echoes throughout the building as well. Um, this, this, look, this, I don't, uh, this is a guy that's not taking any of those shots. So please take this with a grain of salt. But, but like, I, I, the fact that they were smart enough to say, okay, we're not going to do anything too high risk here with Honma. Uh, we're not going to, we're not going to get crazy here. We're going to hit people very hard in hopefully safe spots. Um, and they fucking delivered there. They were smart about it. They teased dangerous spots. That's for sure. And the pace of the match, I thought, was faster than I thought was even humanly possible. I, I loved it. I thought this match was really fucking good. Well laid out. Well planned. Um, they made Homa, you know, g- they, they gave him moments where it looked like he could pull off the upset. Um, Kukeshi's aside. Um, and it delivered. Uh, this was one of the, this was one of those matches that was going into it. I didn't expect a lot. Uh, they over delivered by by a mile, and uh, and I don't know how they did it. <laughs> no, I do know how they did. It. They they did it smartly. They did it smartly. Um, no, I love that a lot. Uh, I've just seen the road to wrestle grand slam tours <laughs> may Uh-oh. the 8th korakuen hall uh, may the 10th korakuen hall may 11th korakuen hall may 24th korakuen hall may 25th korakuen hall may 26th korakuen hall since there's a theme here magic right i don't want to get bogged down in that i just thought it was funny on that i'd share with you um next match let's talk about kenta defeating juice robinson in 17 minutes 17 seconds with the game over and damon i know you just want to talk about that snowboy tweet don't you holy fucking shit I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call out person Snowboy with the multiple eyes, right? With that fucking monster avatar that we talked about from that show, Chunky. Um, yeah. Um. Maybe, and it's funny because earlier I had uh, sent a text message to the great Andrew Rich, who I find to be one of the funniest guys I know. Um, he had a tweet. Um. With uh, was it Muda doing a handspring elbow that did not quite deliver uh, effectively, and you know in the middle he put in like a, a knee exploding, and that was pretty funny. I was like, this is this is maybe your greatest work. I texted him. Uh, unfortunately, the crown is uh, and the title title reign for Andrew Rich is short lived. Very short title reign for tweet of the year because this snowboy. Holy fucking shit. Every time I look at it and every time I read this tweet, I don't giggle. I cry laughing. It is the funniest fucking tweet I've ever seen in my life. Now, it may it may not land for everybody, and that's okay. But it is 
It's just a fucking unbelievable, creative. Like, how do people's minds get these references just so quick and be able to piece it together in a tweet to be like, oh my God, that's it? And it, what I'm talking about is his tweet about Juice Robinson and his hair is all discombobulated, nor, like over and above what is normally discombobulated. And it's kind of flattened out, like the big, the big tuft of hair that he has is kind of flat and, 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 and parallel with the ground. And then it's these big tufts of hair. And he has this kind of like puckered face. And then, do you have the tweet in front of you, Joel? I don't know if you do or you don't. Do you have uh, it? Yeah, I, I, can, I can get it. It, so, for those people, what he's going to do is he's okay, referencing. Should I read it? Yeah, go ahead, please. Uh, Juice Robinson looks like he just hugged what he thought was a sexy lady, but was actually just several sticks of dynamite tied together in a dress and a wig that then exploded. <laughs> <laughs> like you would see them in the fucking Looney Tune, you know, the Wally e. Coyote, and it is exactly what it is. And I swear to you, it is the f- every time I fucking read it and see that picture, I. Fucking die laughing. Holy shit. What a great oh just oh my god. Just I I'm I'm going to take that tweet and frame it and put it in my fucking bar. Just so every day I can read it and laugh. Just a great just a great tweet. Great tweet. Oh, I was just looking at the replies and there's another one that's maybe burst out laughing. This this is a really obscure reference, but if you know, you know. Uh this is uh drawing board real underscore masters. He says Juice looks like Dr. Dalsim just let him out while the Shadow guard wasn't paying attention. So if anyone's watched the Street Fighter movie, they'll they'll get that reference. But yeah. Uh okay, so Bash says, Does Juice's new gear remind you of a jack in the box? My first thought that came to mind was juice in the box, not a euphemism, or a court jester or uh, one of those Joker playing cards you see in a pack of cards. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an extremely uh, Juice Robinson look but I thought this match was really good Juice was angry Angry Juice is my favourite Juice really stiff strikes they were they were laying into each other love Kenta's shotes or his slaps or whatever you want to call them uh, Finley yelling at ringside had a bit of drama to it as well uh, some transitions a little bit sloppy down the stretch but it didn't affect my enjoyment of the match I thought this one was uh, a lot better than their G1 match yeah me too um, I thought it was really good um, look I can't. I, little, I'll touch on Juice's look for a second. It's annoying. <laughs> it's annoying to no end. I don't. I don't like it. And here's the thing: he's a guy, like he's like an attractive guy, right? I think people would would agree. He's an. He, I would put it under the category of attractive. But he's the guy that intentionally tries to make himself look goofy and wacky and maybe even ugly himself up just because he's so attractive and he knows he can do it. That's annoying to me. Like, I hate those people. Those people who like who have like a like a shitty mustache. You know what I mean? You're just like, OK, we get it. You're so handsome that you can have a shitty mustache and pull it off. Great. You're so handsome that you can have the worst fucking hair on God's green earth and still be attractive. We get it. Fine. Um, why? Why is that? I don't know why that makes me very angry, but it does. It makes me very angry because I feel shortchanged. Um, match was good. Match. Match was very good. Um, maybe the best singles match we've seen from Juice in quite a while, don't you think? That's what I said. I think the the best one I can remember since uh, maybe even the John Moxley match, one at the best of Super Juniors final. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we'd have to go back a little bit. 
We'd have to go back. I mean, it's not like he's spent a lot of time doing single stuff. He, you know, we spent a lot of time with Finley doing tags, and then he's out of the country, and then he's. But it's been a bit. It's been a while. Um, yeah, I would. I would put it up there. You know, in recent memory, as one of his better ones. Sure, absolutely. All right, serious business now. Shingo Takagi defeating Kazuchika Okada, twenty-three minutes fifty-eight with Last of the Dragons. You're applauding. I'm applauding. This is everything I want from. Yeah, basic New Japan main event didn't go ridiculously long. We had uh, the kind of wrestler who will push and drive Okada into having a, a great main event and not allow him to sleepwalk his way through matches as as I thought the evil match was in, in long stretches during Castle Attack Night 1. We got Cocky Shingo, you know, he's doing the Rainmaker pose, getting in Okada's face. He's, you know, playing up to the crowd, enjoying their applause. He's the only person, God bless him, Shingo Takagi, that actually sells the money clip well and makes it look effective when he's doing that sort of puffed out cheat, one eye closed, he's sort of eyeballing the ref, you know, don't you dare call this one off. And he's, you know, doing his absolute best to hold on. His selling is just so good, Shingo Takagi. Um, The reversals and counters, all of them were just pitch perfect. Incredible stuff. Yeah. And now what's funny is that... um Right around this time, like maybe, but it might have been even that day, you saw uh, Big Dave tweeting out and talking about how uh, Okada's struggling with some back issues, and I think everybody kind of knew that's the case. And even on commentary, I don't know if you listen to the the English side, but Kevin Kelly was kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, it's not something that he's going to have to have surgery for it, or you're not going to. He's just got to work through it and blah, blah, blah. But it felt to me like he Okada was a guy that, like even from the the, the moment the bell rang, that he knew he was like, okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to put on a fucking really great match. Like I like I'm, I I got I got people yapping about my back and how it, it's 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 hurting their enjoyment of my. Okay, now now I got to show you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and he delivered. He delivered big time, and 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 if he if he is hurt, which he probably is, everybody's hurt. But I mean, okay, if, if he's hurt, uh, he's going to work through it, and he's going to be able to deliver in spots. Do I expect him to deliver spot? You know, these type of matches, Cork and Hall on all those dates that you mentioned. Of course not. That is not going to happen. In fact, dare I say, I would prefer him not working. Any one of those shows, I he there's no reason for him to be there, zero, none. Stay home, get work on your back, go see the trainer, get a massage, get a fucking hand job. I don't know what you got to get. Relax muscles any way that you need to. I don't want to see him on the shows. There's no reason. And let's save him. Let's save him for bigger shows. What do you think of that? I completely agree with you. Um, I'm a bit 
strange to see him continuing to work this tour with a well, not strange. I mean, it's to be expected, really. But I would have liked to have seen him now that he's been eliminated. Just, you know, go home, take it easy, go, go, go do some fishing. We've got some yeah. questions about this. Uh, Owen says, are you concerned about what kind of condition Okada is going to be in 10 years from now? Looking yes. back at guys like Misawa and Kobashi, who were broken down by their mid-30s, New Japan should consider if they want to run Tanahashi's successor into the ground like this. And Dr. Gary says, do you think the reported back issues for Okada changed the plans for the cup? After his promo, after the evil match, it sounded like he may be in for a good run. Joel, I've said it. A thousand times on this show to go watch New Japan World's documentary on Okada right before the Dallas G1. It is an eye-opening, eye-opening documentary on the struggles of that man who technically should be in the prime of his life. He can't even get out of bed. He can't even walk, let alone get out of bed. And that was two years ago? I mean, come on. Yeah. He's, he, he is hurting. Physically hurting. He, I mean, he talks about it in the documentary. He, he can't sleep. He can't sleep. There's only so much the body can handle, man. And all of those guys are the same way. Tanahashi's not the same way. And here's the thing, Tanahashi's had, he's got more years on, on Okada. Yeah, it's, it is a concern, but that is a concern and, and a risk and a, dare I say, a, an exchange and a deal that every one of those guys know getting into this, that profession. Right? It's, a, it's a thing that is understood that there, there is a price to pay working this style for X amount of years. So as much as we love these matches and as much as these matches made us fans know that physically these guys are putting it on the line to pay up later in their lives. That is a fact. Now, there are guys that have managed to find a way to beat the hands of time. And there are guys that went all in and crashed. Um, but yeah, but that's the price of of a 30-minute, 35-minute, what was it? I don't even forget the number, 14, 15, 18 title defense run of great matches against a, a myriad of opponents, uh, all of which... <laughs> You're paying a toll physically. So to answer the question, is it concerning? Absolutely it is. Let's uh, take a moment to throw some flowers at Shingo Takagi. Uh, Chuck says, since Shingo has put out consistently good matches, how far does he go in the cup? Is this the year of the Dragon? Do you still think Osprey wins New Japan Cup or G1? I think Shingo makes the finals. I do. I, my, Me my, too. I, mean, I, I think he's got a good shot of winning. I think if we do get the Shingo Osprey final, that's a, a coin flip to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and let's keep in mind here: that's a big, you know, that, that's a big win over Okada. I mean, let's let's think about what what Shingo was doing two years ago. You know what I mean? Um, this that that is a very significant win in in G one. Now, who who do we got? Goto next. If fucking Hiroki Goto beats Shingo, uh, I'm going to jump off a fucking bridge is what's going to happen. 
Because between that and Okan, I don't know if I'll be able to handle myself at that point. Like if Shingo, Joel, if Shingo loses to Hiroki Goto, we got we got problems here, don't we? Correct, right? Am I wrong? <laughs> when we next recall, we're going to have like a, a Yano versus Goto <laughs> semifinal. <laughs> right, right. I mean, they're not going to they're not going to have two of their biggest stars in the past ten years do two jobs to guys that they're trying to make stars and then have them get beat in the second round by Hiroki Goto, Toriano. Uh, by the way, we're 50% there. <laughs> no, seriously, though, I mean, I think if, if there is ever going to be a time to pull the trigger on Shingo, this is it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's build some momentum. Let's get, a, let's get him a win over that. I mean, seriously, to, to, to win the cup, he would have to beat Okada, which he did, Goto, um, you know, you you're if we're speculating, uh Osprey. Um I mean that would be it, right? One more what do you uh, have evil? Oh, would it we have to presumably go through evil in the through. semis? Uh yeah, yeah. So so yeah, correct. Or I mean, let's just say pot well, no, he, he would have to beat so he beat Okada, he would have to beat Goto, and then he would have to beat the winner of Suzuki Kenta. And then beat yes, evil. Yes, you're right. And then beat evil. So that's a quite a that's a that's a that's a bracket to get through, right? You're beating some big names. Yeah, let's make a fucking star. You know what I mean? Let's make a fucking star. Know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid that we're going to see him beat Goto. I'm afraid that we're going to see him beat well, just Kenta or Suzuki, and then he's got evil. And that's where you see the fuck finish. How gutted would you be? Christ. <laughs> don't, don't do this to me. He's already broken my heart once today by uh, knocking out Jeff Cobb. Um, no more. That's enough. Um, all right. Next match then is Gabriel Kidd and Zach Sabre Jr. So Zach won in 70 minutes, 21 seconds via triangle choke and, you know, flipping the birds while he's doing it. I think it was... So then Nate Diaz or Nick Diaz who did that? It was one of the Diaz brothers, I think. Um, so this one was really good, Damon. This is like a kind of a throwback match with a lot of grappling. And, and I was surprised that Gabe Kid lasted so long. 17 minutes for a young line against an established guy like Zach is nothing to turn your nose up at. No, no. And, and again, a really good match. I was excited for this one. This was one match that I had circled. I penciled, right? Um, again, Zach is so creative with a lot of his spots that, and and there's so many of them that I it's hard for me to even remember. But I just remember watching this match and being like, "Why doesn't every wrestler do that?" <laughs> right, right. It just makes so much. Oh, uh, somebody sent out. It was a um, a gif of um, the Boston Crab. So Gabriel Kidd has has Zach in a Boston Crab, and Zach. So he's on. Zach's on his back. Legs are in the air. <laughs> Sounds pretty hot. Um, pre-flip over for the Boston Crab. And Zach grabs his own leg, you know, both hands, and tugs to remove it from being held. It was just like, this is the simplest fucking thing in the world. Why doesn't everybody do that? Yet he he did it. And he did it like it was like, yeah, of course I'm going to fucking do that. Great job. Love that. Lo- I like that one. And I'm glad that, that, that I don't even know who did it, but pointed that out. Because I like sitting on the couch, I was like, that's, that's great. Perfect. Um, 
Yeah, this match was really good. And it, like, it, it was better than good, I thought. Um, is this a four-star match, dude? Yeah, I, I would give it that. I thought it was I, I mean, tremendous. I'm really I close really to that. Chemistry. I just I like the the way Gabe was almost a he sort of muscled up a bit. So he was sort of trying to physically overpower Zach, and it was Zach's technique that was getting the, the you know t- turning the match in his favor. So yeah, it was really really compelling. I thought. Yeah, I was into this match from the jump. Um, again, I didn't think that there was any chance that we were going to see Zach not win, but. Um, Gabe Kidd is fucking good. Gabe Kidd is fucking good. Um, yeah, I, I dug this match a lot. I really, I really enjoyed it. We have Will Ospreay defeating Hiroshi Tenzan in 13 minutes, 37 seconds with a Stormbreaker. And, and again, Tenzan is one of these guys who I would put in the same category as Honma, who, you know, you might hand wave in a multi-man, but when he gets a tap on the shoulder, you know, inexplicably, he can still go and he can still put on a, a really exciting and compelling, you know, emotionally engaging main event. Because I think at this point, everyone's cheering for Tenzan. Everyone wants to, to see him win and get one over over cocky Osprey, even though, you, you know, deep down it's not going to happen. But um, again, I thought this one was really, really good. I thought it was good, too. And I, and honestly, I, th- I think Osprey was pretty great in this too, one, too. Um I know, I know. We like to turn the screws to Will, but but he's he's helping make these Tenzon matches more than watchable. Let's put it that way. Um, again, I don't know why we're doing Mongolian chops, dude. And it's like it like it never yeah, even that happened. sucks. That really pisses me off because it, it's just going to condition us as fans to hand wave these stipulations. The next time there's a stipulation like, you know, the loser of this match got to do X, Y, Z, I'm going to think, mm, really? I'm, I'm not buying it. Not after, you know, you get your fingers burnt, don't you? And here's the thing. It, it, you do. And it's like, if they can explain it away, all right, maybe I'll fucking swallow the bitter pill, but like, there's, there's no explanation of it. It's just like, we're, he's doing it and he's not getting this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no explanation of it. Like, it's that, like, I mean, maybe there's a payoff later down the road. I don't know. But, like, don't you think – New Japan is not really known for these kind of issues. But this is this is not good. This is not good. Not good. I, I don't know. I, I, I know I'm complaining about a Mongolian chop, but it's, it's more of the, the idea that, okay, you spent a lot of time building up the idea that – Loser can't do this, and now it's losers doing it, and we're not even acknowledging that he's why he's allowed to do it. It's like it never fucking happened. Yeah, and to that, me that's, that is creatively bankrupt. Right, I agree. That's that's the, the biggest problem that I have with it. I don't know. I, I don't know what I look. I don't know what the fuck's going on there. But there's a lot of things that have me scratching my head when it comes to booking of this company. Um, and again. You could hand wave a lot of stuff previously because you still had the, the the heavyweight title that wasn't an issue, but now they're fucking with that big time. The, the thing that gives it the, its its allure, they're fucking with that. Now everything's on the table for me. Uh, I will I will pick at every fucking turn the booking of this company. We had Yuji Nagata defeating Yotosuji in thirteen minutes forty two seconds with a backdrop hold. Uh, I I like this one, but I thought. If anything, Suji was maybe a bit too ambitious in the number of 
sort of spectacular and complex Javé, uh, you know, Lucha Libre style moves he was going for because he's a big lad and he's a sort of wrestler I want to see just laying into people and chopping them and, and suplexing them. But he was trying to do some quite intricate stuff that looked a bit clunky in the execution. Yeah, I agree. And maybe that's just a, a thing where he's just trying it out, right? He's just trying some new things. And he's in the ring with the guy that he trusts to be able to try those things. I mean, I mean, if that's what he wants to kind of sh- shake the rust off, that's what I took it as. Like, as a guy who is going to try some new things as opposed to just, you know, Boston Crab, leg lock, arm bar, safe, safe but solid Young Alliance stuff, you know, um, and, and and I agree it, it didn't really land with me, but that's what I took it as. I took it as a guy who's just trying to experiment with new stuff in the ring with a guy that he trusts. We had a main event of Sanada defeating Tomohiro Ishii in 25 minutes, 18 seconds with a rounding body press. Uh, Jeremiah says, Ishii is the greatest, question mark. That's the question. Uh, JK faces, who wins the staring contest between Sanada and Ishii? Uh, this was a match that I really, really enjoyed and I suspected I would because I, I think sort of stylistically Ishii is the kind of person with the, the pace and the intensity that would push Sanada to have a more interesting style of match. I think you, you maybe could have shaved five minutes off this one, but if wherever, I think this is the most emotion and passion and fire we're ever going to get from Sanada. He was really trying here. He, it, you know, he wasn't executing it brilliantly because, you know, the, 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 the standard spots of doing the fighting spirit, kicking out at one or, or no selling a, a suplex and just getting back up. That's got to be accompanied by a little scream and ah, to, for, for it to work. And so I just wasn't doing that. He just, you know, gets suplex and then gets straight back up. So I could see what he was going for, even if it wasn't executed with the requisite level of emotion. But you know, this, this is Sonata. I've, I've given up expecting him to do things that I don't think he's capable of doing. But that said, I thought this is one of his best matches in recent memory. I, I think the, the, the match prior to this, which I, I guess we'll put on that level, was be that when he beat Okada in the G1 a couple of years ago. So I thought he really tried hard here, even though it wasn't, you know, 100% successful with what he was trying to go for. But uh, the, the execution was really good. There weren't any big botches in the match. And I just thought that the two played off each other really well. I thought Ishii sort of pushed Sanada to show uh, a level of fire that we don't usually get from him. That's the thing. That's ex- you. You nailed it. Like Ishii pushed the pace on that one, and Sonata was the guy who had to keep pace in this match because Ishii was dictating it, um, which is a good thing. Which is exactly what we wanted because if it were flipped, we would have an absolute snoozerama. Um, yeah. Look, as much as I'd love to fucking hand wave Sonata, this was a good match. Um, but let's give credit where credit is due. Ishii helped drive that pace. Um, and if he didn't, we'd be in, we'd be talking a different tune. I was thinking like if I was a professional wrestler and I was wrestling Sonado, what would I do to try and get the best out of him? And I think it would be very similar to what Ishii did where he's, you know, he's just slapping him in the face and kicking him and be like, come on, like sort of borderline shooting on him. You stay him like, come on, you fucker. Come on, show me something. You're, right. You've got everything. You've got all the tools. You've got the, the companies behind you. You've got the look. You've got the body. Just fucking show me something, you know, put, put those pieces together and show me that you give a shit. So 
uh, yeah, credit to Ishii for doing that. I think sometimes that that kind of uh, chemistry doesn't work against certain wrestlers, like or, or it just gets too much. Like if he doing it against a, a Shingo or a Goto, sometimes that that sort of stuff can get a bit played out. It can be quite exhausting. But I thought it, it really worked here against the more languid uh, style of Sanada. Uh, let's talk then about. David Finley defeating Chase Owens in 11 minutes, 20 seconds via roll-up. Uh, this yeah. this was good. Yeah. I, I liked it. It was fine. Yeah, um, fine. The, the yeah. most mo- notable thing was Finley's post-match promo. I don't know if you saw it where he says he's uh, entitled to a, a shot at the Texas heavyweight championship, but that would have to be defended in Texas and he doesn't want to go to Texas because they've got rid of their, their uh, compulsory mask-wearing legislation. So uh, <laughs> that was my favourite part of the match. The, the match was yeah, good. I, mean, I liked it. It was, it was, it was fine. fine. It was fine. It was I, I, the, the problem is, is that I, it was hard to me to fucking get too too amped up over it I, I, it was okay it was fine I, I mean i wish i wish i had more to tell you but uh, it was fine <laughs> all right uh we have yoshihashi defeating yujiro takahashi in 15 minutes 50 seconds via karma uh damon a lot of people will might say to the contrary but this was absolutely 100 percent a match that happened in the New Japan Cup first round. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. That's all I've got to say about this match. It happened. Right? You know, you're not, you're not, you're not into, uh, you know, fired up Yoshihashi getting a big win. Over, it was there. Uh, they, they got into the ring and they wrestled right. a, a professional wrestling match. Yoshihashi won in 50 minutes. He pinned Yujiro Takahashi and it finished. And Yoshihashi went through to the next round. And I, I will die on that hill. No one can argue against that. <laughs> 15 minutes by the way yeah i mean we couldn't make this an eater i know i agree I, i'm with you go ahead uh, I, listen uh, to me the highlight of the past you know that that 10th was that on the 10th that of that 10th show is this match coming up is is hanare and jay white all right talk, talk to me about hanare jay white then so jay white winning in 24 minutes 46 seconds by blade runner um i'm gonna give you one thought on hanare I didn't think Hanari was going to win. But there were moments in this match where, where you think, okay, he's going to pull it off. <clears throat> and that's all that I asked, right? That's all that I asked um, is to just give me tastes of that. Um, I loved uh, – I'm disappointed that the company and, – and again, injuries – happened um but injuries happened to lots of people in this company um logistics of him living in new zealand and getting back and forth i get it i wish they would show a little commitment to the guy i wish i because i because i feel like of of anybody on this roster henare is one guy that i just feel like is overlooked constantly constantly like the biggest fear that i had months ago was when we would talk about henare and we would say you know he's at a point where he's got to do it right now and if he doesn't then he's got young lions that are breathing down his neck that are out on excursion that are that are going to lap him that's happened already that's happened already I don't know 
I don't know what benefit it is for Hinari to be in New Japan Pro Wrestling anymore. Like, because I don't think the company feels like they have a a valuable commodity in Hinari. And I would disagree. And I think I feel like he would be better suited in another company in a, in a where he would be appreciated more. Now, I'm not saying Hanare is the next fucking coming of Hiroshi Tanahashi. And I'm not even saying that he deserved to get a win here, right? But I just posed the question of what is next for Hanare? Because I don't see anything in the future that would that would indicate to me that he's a guy that the company feels solid on. And I think it's time for him to move on. Maybe you should go to Strong, David. I mean, I do agree with you. I, and, and Hanari did cut a promo, a really passionate promo that I would recommend people check out. Basically saying everything that you said. Like, you know, he's made huge sacrifices to stay with the company as Esther is trying to grab the microphone and yank it off the table. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's, he's made huge sacrifices to stay with New Japan um, and missed out on a lot of big things in his personal life to be there at the dojo but he's just he's getting nothing and he's just you know on his knees saying what do I have to do to get to that next level um, he is better than a lot of people in that company who get pushed so yeah I you know we're not going to see him again to World Tag League probably in a meaningful competition that's it that, that that's his annual singles match in the New Japan Cup and guess what it's the same as it was last time with him losing so I'm I'm scratching my head at this moment and yeah I think your concerns are, are well founded at this point um, I mean as far as the match itself goes Jeremiah says is there a bigger breadth of enjoyment than that between interference laid in Jay White matches and interference free Jay White matches uh, George says Hinari White felt like the first time White was clearly the ring general of the match and he did a terrific job watching White develop throughout the years has been a masterclass on how to build a star um, I mean this is kind of talking about Hinari like he's you know, some green wrestler who's straight out of the dojo. He's not, you know, he's been wrestling quite a long time now. I mean, what, 2016 was it when he was a, a young lion? So this is not, I, I know he's had his injuries and, and unfortunate events that meant he's been out of New Japan when ideally would have been there. But he he's a fairly experienced wrestler at this point. And at some point you just got to think, you know, you've got to stop waiting around thinking, oh, well, this is going to be the year where they pull the trigger on him. Oh, it's going to happen this year because it's not happening in 2021. Let's put it that way. I don't think so nope. anyway. Nope. And, and again, I'm just going to throw out a name and it's not, I'm not saying it to spite another person by any stretch, but I'm just trying to get a comparison, right? David Finley. Do you think David Finley is higher in the pecking order than Hanare? Yeah, absolutely. Finley's a guy who's won won the World Tag League. He's had Wrestle Kingdom tag title matches. Yeah, David Finley's definitely above him. Right. Had a cup of coffee with the with the uh, World Tag Team Championship, um, and you know, it's it's he's had injuries too. You know, it's not like we we could sit there and blame the injury uh, for Hanare. Um, and 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 I don't necessarily feel in in my, my eye test that Hanare is any worse than David Finley. And again, you can't push everybody. I understand that. I understand that. Trust me, I do. But he's a guy that has 
every time you think he's going to get an opportunity, every time you think that ah, there's a chance and they're kind of they might be putting him on the fire a little bit. And again, we're not, I'm not saying he's going to fucking challenge for the world title here, but again, put him in a program that is at least meaningful. But have him something to do. Give him something to fucking show up for. I don't even do that. Now, let me ask you this, David. Give me percentage chance that Hinari's in the G1 this year. Zero. Zero. He hasn't been in. He, it's it's a running gag that he's that he's not in it. You know what I mean? Like zero. I mean, let's put it this way: Who do you take out in, of G1 and put Hinari in? Yeah, I can't see it happening either, barring, you know, some misfortune hitting, what, at least five wrestlers in the main roster would have to be struck down with injury before he got a look in. Yeah, that's a shame to me because there there were times, like, again, you need guys to go over. Like, seriously. Last year, Ujiro was was the guy looking at the lights more often than not. And there were a couple other guys that had losing records as well. You can't put Hanari in that spot. I don't know. Just I, 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 look, I, I'm not sitting here banging the drum for Hanare because, um, you know, he wrote me a check. I'm banging on the drum because I just like, we don't even know. He's never even been given the opportunity to, to do well. And we got guys that have been given opportunities that haven't done it, like, smashingly. He's never even been given the opportunity to do well. Um, and he so, tries so, so hard, doesn't he? You can see there's some people on the roster who clearly take their spot for granted. They know they're always going to be there. But right. Hinari's just, like, busting his ass to, to do his absolute best night in, night out, and there's nothing to show for it. You mean to tell me we can't give him a main event on any one of these shows at Corican? And just fucking give him a win over somebody? Like, you're willing to give Toriyano a fucking roll-up on Great Okan. And you're not willing to give fucking Hanare a pinfall over, I don't know, fucking somebody? Chase Owens? You know what I mean? Like, we can't do that? Come on. I mean, as, as for Jay White, I mean, Jay White's great. He's always great. And I just just enjoy the little things from him like after the he beat Hanari he was just being an absolute dick he was telling Gabe to take away Hanare's ice pack and come and bring it to him and he said if yeah. you don't I'm going to go after all three of you young lines I'll catch one of you and it'll be your fault <laughs> just, just <laughs> one absolute prick it's just so fun to watch I'm never going to get bored of that I, I know we're looking for some sort of progression from Jay White but if he does continue to be a heel then I will still find it entertaining but um, that was it that was the first round of the New Japan Cup um, maybe we'll do a few questions before we get out of here I, I was going to preview the second round but I, I think our picks still stand from when we did our pick and last week so we, we expect the same people to go through I haven't changed my mind about any of those um, so yeah, yeah. wrestling with my girl says what's New Japan slash Gedo's goal with all the ref abuse it's mostly heels but sometimes faces uh, seems opposite and there's no logical payoff to any of it does New Japan treat main events uh, mostly too similarly near 30 minutes or over strike exchange near falls etc house shows don't need epic so what are your thoughts on these um, tropes that are starting to become more and more regular have they always been there or are they just starting to look more apparent because there's so much content that i mean i think it's always been there for the past couple of years it's been 
that way for sure. And by past couple of years, I mean like, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, and again, I, I think the the ref bump thing and the ref abuse things are seem a little bit more frequent. That's for sure. Um, but we've been talking about it for for weeks and months. Um, main events don't need to be thirty five minutes. They don't need to be epics. Um, there's nothing wrong with a with a with a champion beating a challenger in fifteen minutes and saying I'm the better guy. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, occasionally, um, there's nothing wrong with heels not having to resort to ref bumps every fucking match. Um, faces abusing refs. I mean, you know, it happens. I, I mean, I, I, but yeah, all those things are are common threads that have made their way in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, and they've and they and they've kind of always been there. Don't get me wrong; they've always been there. But sometimes they raise to the surface a little bit more than others. And we're in a spot in the in the history of the company where it's 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 noticeable. Elliot says Okada's face when he's at three percent energy on his back, almost defeated, dazed, and staring straight ahead with a faraway look in his eye. I think that's my favorite facial selling in pro wrestling. Do any other wrestlers come to mind in this regard? That is good. He is good. I mean, we just talked about Shingo. He's about the only guy. Yeah, I was going to say my my Shingo nearly tapping out face is one of my favorites. I like the my my least favorite thing in pro wrestling has become hit my big move, kick out, and the shocked look on the face. Like I'm beginning to really hate that. Like it's just okay. Um, I do like. I think the guy with the best facial expressions in pro wrestling is Zach. Like, I feel like Zach has that shit down perfectly of even when he's in trouble, like the look on his face and he's looking around looking for a fucking opening. Um, when he's when he's in control, the, the cocky dickhead, um, even when he's not in control, the calm look on his face of, again, just looking for openings. Um, his selling, I think, is tremendous. Um, I think Zach's the best when it comes to facial expressions. Jamie says, is Despi the future of New Japan's junior heavyweights? I don't think he's the future. I think he's the present. And that is a compliment. I think he is the guy who can, he's been given the ball and he's going to run with it this year. Uh, future, I don't know who, who's to say, because he's not the youngest guy, but he doesn't have the sort of mileage on his body that uh, a lot of his contemporaries do, though. So I'm saying future, and, and I'll tell you why. Would would El Desperado be in the situation he's in right now if it wasn't for Hiromo's injury? No, he wouldn't. Right. Okay. So the company, you know, called an audible due to the injury, and I think they picked the right guy. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know if the company was like, okay, Desperado's our guy, as opposed to fuck, our guy is on the shelf for six months. We need to find a one a, a Desperados or guy, and there's a difference. So no, I mean he can be the future if he if he does uh, remarkable. Yes, absolutely. Could they build him to be a challenger for Hiromu to to really pop some houses for real? Yes, they could. I believe that. But to sit here and say that. 
they pigeoned they 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 you know had the idea of El Desperado being the guy to lead this this division in 2021. I don't think that's the case. James says, what's the most disappointing ending to a New Japan show you remember? Dominion 2019 comes to mind, but I'm sure there are better examples out there. Uh, I mean, Wrestle Kingdom 12 is a big one. I mean, disappointed for Naito fans. And I think a lot of people were just very shocked by that ending. Um, I don't know, if would you classify that as disappointing? You've got a better example? I mean, that's a disappointing um, for sure. Um, I think the people in the house for when Hogan won the uh, IWGP tournament um, and knocked out Anoki, um, maybe some people were disappointed in that. Um, I think the Ricky Choshu stuff where they fucked everybody. They built up that match forever and then they screwed him over by bringing Invader. That <laughs> the, riot, the riot at Sumo Hall may have something to do with that disappointment. Um, so yeah, there were other things that this where people were disappointed and, and felt like they were fucked over, but, um, yeah, I would put them on the top of the list. Uh, PD says question for Damon. What's your, who's your favorite wrestler from mid South? Finally checked out after hearing you talk about it over the years and it's awesome. I'm sorry. You broke up. You broke up. What was the question? I'm sorry. PD says, question for Damon, who's your favorite wrestler from Mid-South? Finally checked it out oh, after okay. hearing you talk about it over the years, and it's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. It's 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 old school territory wrestling. Um, my favorite from that time period, DiBiase was pretty great. Dick Murdoch was really good, too, during during the Mid-South run. Midnights were great. That like the tag team such things were 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 fucking awesome. So yeah, you know, rock and rolls. Uh, was, was probably the biggest one, but even like, um, even like Junkyard Dog and Bill Watts and, um, you know, like UWF was pretty like when Mid South tried to expand to become UWF and that '86 area. Oh my God, Freebirds! I loved uh, John Tatum and Eddie Gilbert and Missy Hyatt and Jack Victory. I love those guys. Fantastics are fantastic um best one of the maybe argue i mean rock and rolls is probably top of the list but babyface tag team fantastics were really good i know i sound like joe lanza here but absolutely uh free birds were unbelievable terry gordy was so fucking good um and even like their big man feuds like gordy and doc and one man gang and duggan dibiase that whole mix I don't know. You could fucking go for days from Mid-South. Um, and that whole run, like 82 to like 86, 87, there's always good shit. And, and they were getting they were getting guys just plucked left and right by WWE, WWF at the time. You know, Duggan, big star in Mid-South, gone. Junkyard, big star, gone. Butchery, big star, gone. DiBiase, big star, gone. Like they were just getting fucking poached. And they still found ways to, to at least try to tread water. And then they would bring in other guys and away we went. So, yeah, I mean, as much as you look back on shit and things don't necessarily land with um, how the world is today, pro wrestling wise, Mid-South is really fucking great. Really great, just episodic pro wrestling. That stuff that made sense. And even in the goofy world of pro wrestling and I don't know, just really one of my favorite territories and my favorite times. Absolutely. 
All right, well, let's call it a day there. So redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash j dash cast if you want to throw some money our way. Very much appreciate it. Thank you, everyone who has done so. Uh, we, we appreciate you. Thank you very much. Um, and if you want to shout out, just let us know that you did it and we'll happily give you a name check on the show. Discord link is in the show notes. If you want to get one of our T-shirts, you can go to at Cobra Kawaii or prowrestlingtees.com forward slash superjcast. Big thank you to editor Dan. Find him on Twitter at LousyHero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. Give us a five-snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the SuperJCast. Thank you, everyone, for listening and goodbye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.